Well, hello, it's Pastor Carson from Calvary Tabernacle. Thanks for stopping by the podcast. We hope that it's a blessing to you, whether you're catching one of the Sunday or Wednesday messages, or maybe you're jumping on to listen to one of the Saturday snapshots. We're doing everything we can right here in the beautiful Fountain Square area of Indianapolis to try to reach and connect and disciple people towards Jesus Christ. Enjoy what you listen to, and I hope that it's a benefit to your life. Mark chapter 4, verse 26. I feel like I need to apologize. We started um, the fruit of the Spirit on Wednesday night. And I am I'm just in this mode right now. And so over this month, you may hear a lot about trees and flowers and ish. Okay. I'm just kind of there right now. I'm consumed. I was kind of talking to the Lord. I said, I feel like all you're talking to me about is plants and trees. And uh, I think the Lord is trying to teach us something right now. He has, he has made a way for us. He has made a way for us to follow his example and to be successful in living for the kingdom of God. How many, how many believe that living for God is not only obtainable, but it is the greatest life possible? It is life more abundantly. If you believe it, I want you to clap your hands. That's what I want you to do. I want you to... Yeah. Let Him know you feel that way. Praise God. Praise God. Mark chapter 4, verse 26. If you don't have a Bible with you, they're going to put this on the screen, I believe. So he said, so the kingdom of God. So is the kingdom of God as if a man should cast seed into the ground. He sleeps. He rises. Night and day. And the seed should spring and grow up. It it, it sprouts and it grows. And he knows not how. (laughs) he's, He's not sure. He sleeps, he rises day and night. It springs, it grows. He knoweth not how. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself. First the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he putteth in the sickle, because the harvest is come. Brought forth there means at the appropriate time, once it's ripe. He does not put the sickle in. He does not put the instrument in when it's visible, but when it's ripe and when it's proper. Okay? I I want to, oddly enough, draw from this text and preach to you on this topic. Everybody ought to go to Sunday school. Okay? 
Pray with me, God. We love you. We thank you for the opportunity to be here. Just help us. We need you. We need you in our hearts, our minds, our spirits. We've got nothing without you. Every man, every woman, every boy, every girl that's in this house, we need you. We want to we see your will done in our life. We don't want to settle for less. We want your work to be done. We ask it in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Say amen. amen. Before you're seated, find just maybe one or two yet and talk to if it's possible at this point and tell them you ought to go to Sunday school, so I'm glad you're here. I always love that exercise because not everybody does it. Not everybody turns and talks to people. It's all right. You don't have to. But I will tell you this. It's hard to talk to people who aren't in the church if you can't talk to people who are. Whoa! It's important. It's important that everybody goes to Sunday school. And when I say goes, I don't mean just your body. Because we all know what it's like to go through the motions. We all remember that t first time that we experienced driving down the road and not remembering how we got from there to here. We've all had those moments. I would take you to the early portion of Scripture today. I want to take you all the way back to Genesis. I'm going to jump from the Gospels all the way back and try to talk to you briefly today about seeds. I woke up to the families who have dedicated your children. I, I woke up yesterday morning dreaming about this service. It's abnormal for me. Not this morning, but yesterday morning. And the Lord was doing some work in my heart and in my mind about what this service was supposed to be. Because growth affects the entire body. It affects all of us. But he was doing this work in my heart, in my mind, as he is, it seems to be right now, maybe during this whole month, of depositing some things in my spirit about this concept of seeds and fruit and growth. But it's in the early part of Genesis. If you have your Bible, turn there with me all the way back. <clears throat> Chapter 1. Verse 9, God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place. Let the dry land appear, and it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters called he sees. And God saw that it was Good. God said, let the earth bring forth grass, 
the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree, I warned you, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so. Because when God says it, regardless of the resistance against it, and you will find that His Word always finds earthly resistance, but in spite of resistance, it seems as though the resistance has been built in to yield compliance. And the earth brought forth grass, an herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after his kind. God saw that it was good. Now travel forward just, just a little bit with me, about seven chapters and let's talk about old Noah. How many think Noah was a good dude? Think he was a good guy? I mean, when you're searching the earth, Brother Sleevan, he's the only one you can find. He's a good guy. He's a standout. Everybody's sinning. Have you ever felt like, don't raise your hand. Have you ever felt like you're the only one trying to do right? Only one trying to live right? Imagine that God really searches the, the earth and finds one guy. And you've heard me speak of him as you probably have hundreds of preachers over time if you have been in the church or raised on any level. But his way of being honored was to what? Build a boat, manual labor for a blessing. Decades building a boat, recruits his boys. Thank God that his investment would save his family because something we're taught from the first righteous man is that if you'll invest, he'll spare them too. And they begin to work together. They begin to build together. It was, in fact, a family affair. They're building together. Okay? First veterinarian clinic. Some of you caught that. Some of you still going to get that later. I didn't get... Oh. The animal. Hmm. And it's going to be a floater. Never been a drop of rain hit a tin roof. But he builds in preparation one of the greatest blessings of being a parent in this generation is we are not fooled by what they will experience. We know that trial is coming. Every parent in the room, hear me. We know that storms will show up. 
It's not questionable. There's not one adult in this room, front to back, left to right, balcony, main level, no body in the room that has lived your whole life without ever getting soaked by a storm. The same way you have physically got caught out in the rain. You ever take your umbrella out of the car one day early? We've been there, haven't we? Or your spouse took it out. That's another session. We're... The same way you have got wet. We have all done that, right? Where you try to run to the door too quick. Or you just had to go to Walmart. Just had to make it to Target. It's pouring. You think, I'm just going to, I'm going to get it. I'm going to do it. I'm gonna... Walk in, look like a drowned rat. Feet every. But we would all agree the same thing has happened to us spiritually. Brother Dugas, we, we knew, we knew, we saw the clouds, the leaves had turned, we knew rain was coming, we heard thunder in the distance, but we thought we had time. But everybody in this room at some point or another has been caught in a storm. We were trained better. We knew better. We knew prayer was the answer. We knew faithfulness was necessary. We knew obedience to the scripture was not something we could compartmentalize and, and put. To, no, no, no. We knew all these things. But we still got caught. Noah gets a heads up. Builds an ark, gives everybody a heads up, and the multitude, the mass, still gets caught in the storm. One of the most frustrating things about being a Christian is not understanding why people won't get on the boat. Is that fair? Come to Calvary, go to church, be in a, you've got to come. So what do we do? We try to, we peddle the gospel like a corner vendor, right? We try to get the wafting through the air. Here, fresh word, fresh word, discount, can't resist. How do we do it? We got a children's program you're going to love. We got a beautiful choir. We got great singers. Is it important? Yeah, it's important. But we're trying to tell people. Noah didn't have any of that. He had an out-of-place boat in an out-of-place time. And his only word was, rain is coming. And the problem is you had people yelling back, I believe it when I see it. Brother Ross, my fear is the reality of when they saw it, it was too late. That's the devastating truth. And so it was Noah's responsibility as a father to get on the boat who he could control. 
I cannot control everyone else, but I can control my own. Families, there are some things we can control. There are, there are some things we can control. And one of the things we must control is that we get everybody on the ark. If we can get them on the ark, and the ark being the type and shadow of the church, if we can get them in the church, then God can take care of the outside. He can take care of the extra things in life. Because here's the truth. The rains were coming. If we're doing anything right now to try to compare to this, it's like we're building the boat in the middle of a downpour. We're tasked to build a holy church in the middle of a flood spiritually. We're not trying to build a boat while the sky is open and the sun is out and there is no rain clouds in the sky. Brother Turner, you're not trying to lead students in an environment where there is no post-modernity effects and when there is no absolute onslaught of perversion. The clouds are overwhelming with the reality of the storm. And yet here we are faithfully with a spiritual hammer and obedient nail and we are working our fingers to the bone in most cases, trying our very best to build a church that is representative of what God wants so that whosoever will, will get on the... Uh, listen, if we spend all our time worrying about who will not get on, then we will completely, completely neglect those who did get on. It is our job to care for one another, Brother Marshall. It's our job to look out for one another. Why do we call Sister Tate's name out in front of the church? Not to exemplify that sickness, but to pray together because we're on the ark together. Why do we mention Brother Baker? Why do we speak to Brother Jenkins? Why do we do? Because we are on this together. Now, you know it, but the situation of the ark was going to become disgusting. I know you've heard it. You've giggled about it before. For anybody that wants something deep theologically, here it is. Sometimes the church stinks. <laughs> Period. You can deal with the stench in here or you can die out there. It's the truth. How many in this room? I don't even want to give you a chance. How, let's do it this way. Who would admit you're not perfect? You better elbow your spouse right now. We do silly things. We do dumb things. And sometimes we put our mess in places it doesn't seem like it belongs. We allow our attitude to get the best of us. While there were not perfect conditions, please catch this, while there did not seem to be perfect conditions on the ark, there were sustainable conditions on the ark. It was not perfect, but it was sustainable. It was keeping. 
And while the ark was keeping them, they were growing mentally and they were growing emotionally because the confinement and the new reality was teaching them how to deal with situations that they had never dealt with before. It was growing them. My, 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 man. I feel a little something in this room this morning. And so here we are. We're in a place. We're in a situation. While they're on the ark, water's on the outside. Flood waters have come up. It's one thing for waters to come down. It's another thing for them to come up and down. Water coming from both directions. But what happens? Go to Genesis chapter 8. Genesis chapter 8 in our little Bible study. Verse 1. 8 and verse 1. And God remembered Noah. Anybody besides me feel like you're here because God remembered you for some reason? For some reason. For some reason. He remembered. He remembered Noah and every living thing. That seems significant. And all the cattle that was with him in the ark. Watch this. And God made a wind. If I'm in the middle of a boat, Brother Turner, I've done my work. I built this box boat. Got all these animals. Lost everybody else. Got nothing but me and my kids. Our little families, all this, our little family, this is just us. And now you want to white cap the water? We read it like, oh, here comes a wind. But do you realize that when the wind came, the waters were affected? We never think about that. But that boat began to rock. That boat that had been smoothly moving along, stenching off. Now, here it comes. God begins to put a wind. Now the ultimate process was to begin the healing. The ultimate process was to pre prepare them and get them ready for an exodus from the ark. But the initial part of the process seemed more overwhelming than their, than their particular state they were in. As the water begins to move because the wind begins to blow. But the waters, as the result of the wind begin to assuage. They begin to be part, they begin to be moving. They begin, the wind opened up things and areas. How did it happen? Because the flood stopped from below. The rain had stopped from above. And now all of a sudden God decides it's long enough. When he remembers Noah, it's been long enough. And now the process that had brought them here now begins to remove. But when they, when they move forward, they're not going to leave the same way they came in. Because you never walk through trial and leave the same way if you make it out. Mm -mm. You always walk out a little bit different. You hate the test, but you know that that test has created a testimony. 
It's put something in your life that cannot, seemingly cannot be denied or cannot be taken from you. I would pause here and tell you the one thing that the enemy cannot take from you is your testimony. If you will get a grip on it, he cannot take your testimony. And so the waters, they begin to move and they begin to sway. What was the representation for them to finally get off the boat? Remember, Noah releases a raven. Long before Poe ever started pinning Noah. It went to and fro, the Bible says. We don't get much out of the raven. But he takes a dove and he puts the process in play. And he sends that dove and releases it, waiting, hoping, trusting that it would never come back. Imagine that. That was his plan. I'll keep it safe for the day that I can release it and hope I will never see it again. But unfortunately, he hears it. Come down. That was pretty good. Did you hear that? Comes down. He has to... <laughs> He waits. Then he sends it again. Because just because you don't get the first time answer doesn't mean you don't try. Try again. He releases that dove. I don't know how he, I don't know how he did it. I'm not sure. You know, I want to see him do one of these. You know. I can see the dismay come over the faces of the individuals as they hear that dove coming back again. They're hoping, they're wishing, they're waiting, they're trusting that it will not return. Don't let it, don't let it, don't let it return. Tell us this is almost over. We, can, we, we, we know this has got to be almost done. But here they hear it again. Here it comes. But this time, the Bible says it has a little olive leaf. Just a little olive leaf plucked off in its mouth. Just a... Just, just a little petal, not much. Just one little petal. But when he sees that little petal, he recognizes, because we did what we were supposed to in here, God is doing what only He can do. He's doing what only He can do out there. And while... And while before the ark, that, that little petal would have been so extremely insignificant at this junction in life, that little leaf became enough hope to send Noah on a big old dance. He's recognizing in his mind and in his understanding. God put in plan a long time ago that there would be, even though the waters might come and there might be destruction, if there is seed, <laughs> flood cannot destroy it. There are certain types of trees that flood will destroy there are certain processes of plants that flood will completely wipe out. But there are others who have by the handiwork of God been so created resistant that even through a time of flood and even through a time of overwhelming destruction, 
that the reproduction within itself can be regenerated again. And once now that water begins to move down through the soil and that nitrogen begins to interact with the seeds and the seedlings again, now all of a sudden, and the process of time in which they were in the ark, God was doing that work. And now that fresh olive leaf lets them know it's not much longer now. It's not much longer until we're going to begin to move forward and begin to partake. It started with a seed. Can I tell you that God intends for us to partake of what He has developed for us? He intends for us to be partakers of what He has developed for us. And He places an introductory understanding in the development of the world that there are some things that can remain sustainable regardless of the environmental uh, uh, implications and the uh, atrocities that occur regardless of whether it's natural, physical, or spiritual. Yes, some things will die, but some things... All right, I feel like preaching right now. Some things will die and some things will not make it. But there are some things that even the greatest of floods will not destroy. There are some things that even the most atrocious of situations will not eliminate. And God was teaching and giving the promise that if you'll be faithful to my word, I will be faithful. If you'll be faithful to my word, you don't have to question whether I will be faithful to my word. Yeah, 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 yeah. How would he let all those animals go if there was nothing to eat on? God had things prepared. Not just for Noah, not just for his family. But the preparation was for them. So here on this dedication Sunday, speaking not just to these families, but to all the families, I would tell you that we have the proclivity to regulate or relegate seed to a few different areas. We think of the seed that goes in the ground, obviously. We think of the seed of man. We think of the seed offering or giving. And we think of that mustard seed, faith. Can I tell you that our awareness of a seed all originates and finds itself planted in the same soil. The soil of text. And the only way to get a biblical result is to harvest from a biblical context. Uh huh. The only way for me to gather what has been developed spiritually is to make sure the soil which it grows from is spiritual. That's why I don't believe in pop culture Christianity. Amen. I believe we ought to be cognizant and aware. What we put in our children's lives matters. Because we're planting seed. Moms and dads, that's why you got to be careful what radio station you got on when they're in the car. 
That was nervous. Why do we believe in the church? Why do we believe on a Sunday morning that we should come to church? Anybody wake your kids up with that annoying song this morning? Everybody ought to go to Sunday. Anybody remember getting woke up with that song? You said you'd never do things your parents did? You'd be laying in bed. You hear it from down the step? Everybody ought to. No. Not everybody. Not me. You go. Now you wake your kids up with the same song? I brought this up in the office this morning. Sister D. Giovanni said, I woke my kids up with that song this morning. They were so mad. I wanted to give her a high five. When I was growing up, you went to church no matter what. Who grew up in that house? I mean, no matter what, you could be bleeding from your eyes, you're going to church. Mom, I don't feel good. You'll feel better after prayer. Let's go. Get dressed. I don't want to go. Try to get your head real close to the light bulb. Fool my head. I don't. Left side's cool. Right side's warm. I know your game. Get dressed. Let's go. Who remembers that little Sunday school? So what was the little birdie with the yellow? Bill. Ah. Every Sunday morning, it was one of those songs. No, I'm going to shoot that bird. We don't need to get up this early. We live next door to the church. I need five minutes. Right? Remember, parents were the original snooze. Give me five more minutes. But my parents would get me up and bring me to church. They would make sure I was at the house of God. Just hoping that some of that seed, just hoping some of the, they knew they were building a boat in the middle of a flood. Come on, I, I, I was raised in the generation when the parades were becoming popular and Situations and idolatry seemed like it was creeping in. My generation saw the television go from one thing in the house to an every room occurrence. Somewhere along the way, we stopped calling entertainment an idol, and they knew at church there'd be seed. And even though I was just a child, they understood. If I can get him in the ark, if I can get him in the boat, then maybe what he endures and learns and is kept from in the boat, it will give him a fresh appreciation for the handiwork of God when he gets out. Hear that. Before the flood, trees never look the same. Pre-flood, olive trees never hold, held the same level of majesty. But after, whew. 
fruit trees and those that had, had yielding within them. They, they never looked the same. But the day that strong wind began to move. How many, how many in this room you've ever, you've ever done the dandelion picking for your parents or for your grandparents? Anybody remember that right now? You got that little dandelion picture just throw up here. This is what our grandparents were trying to keep us from right here. They had somebody tell me, my grandma would give me a nickel for every dandelion. She said, he said, but I had to bring the roots. If I just brought the stem, she'd be like, you're not getting paid for that. Said it had to have the roots on it. If I didn't bring the roots, then, they, then she knew that thing's going to live again. How many know dandelion is a persistent weed? Remember being kids and thinking they were flowers? It's so funny. Come here so I can rub one on your skin. Come here. Remember that? Come here. I want to show you this. Treat it like a lightning bug. Some of you, did you say all? Like sad for the lightning bug? Peter. Dandelion. Now, now they're like putting in tea and stuff. If you drink dandelion tea, you're, you're dismissed. Right now, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Look at all those little seedlings. Look at all those little seeds. That's the wind. Anybody like me, I love picking those things up when I was just a little kid. Every now and then, accidentally, you'd suck in for. <laughs> Gonna have dandelion lung. Blow those things and let it. What you were doing, what you were doing was watching the design of God. Because naturally, in the wind, when you're not watching, it's blown and it's scattered. Now thank God for our landscapers and those who can come along with a little chemical treatment, keep those weeds from growing and the crabgrass from growing. But it was showing how things were carried in the wind. Can I tell you that I believe there is something to be said about the thought concept of God's development of wind and His understanding that it had started long before the flood when He breathed into mankind? Before he breathed multiplication on the face of the earth, he breathed it into mankind. Long before this flood had ever happened, he had established that there would be sustainability. And when he allows that wind to begin to move on the face of the waters and the waters begin to assuage, even though it seems like it is overwhelming throughout this process, this windy process, there is also the moving and the reproduction of plant life and the sustainability of the earth itself. He, our God, developed a sustainable plan. That's why mom and dad, we got to guard what the wind plants in them. Because you're going to have one of two winds. How many know that everything God does the enemy tries to mock. For every original, there is a substitute. For every God thing, there is a dark thing. 
And there is never at any time greater than right now a fabrication of the wind. Hear me now. It is a fabrication of the wind. It is a manipulated plan trying to make others feel that they have the authentic blessing of God. The problem is you can't find the seed that they're spreading acceptable in that word. What is that wind from Genesis all the way through? Isaiah 53 gives us a little understanding of what's taking place and what's happening. It says that he would grow up as a tender plant. It tells us that there was no form nor comeliness that we should desire him. It is speaking prophetically to the reality that there would be one who would grow up among men. And it seems as a root, as a plant out of dry ground now that the things have subsided and all of the prophecies of time, the good and the bad, have seemed to assuage and the waters have begun to move. That great prophet Isaiah said, Hear me, he's coming. Woo! And he did in fact show up. His name was Christ. And he grew up being the one of those seeds we talked about, the seed of man, John chapter 7, Romans. You can find it in Romans chapter 1. He is recognized as the seed of David. The seed of David. He comes on the scene. All kinds of waters had risen and fallen. All kinds of destruction had come and gone. But Christ still shows up on the scene. Showing us again the example and the understanding that when there are good days or bad days, if you believe in the Word of God. Some of you have been in the worst season of your life and I speak to you if you believe in the Word of God. Some of you are in the, in the situation where you thought surely it would have happened by now. If you believe in the Word of God to our parents that have had their children dedicated here today, I speak to you and tell you there will be tough days ahead. But if you believe in the Word of God and if you believe in the promise of God, then what this Word can plant in those children can sustain them and keep them, and guide them, and guard them. When I look across this room today, I see a lot of post-flood believers. <laughs> some of you have been through more surgeries than you want to talk about. Some of you have been through some ugly breakups. Some of you have been through family members walking out on you. Come on, sorry, I'm just going to go ahead and trample around on this squashy floor for a second. I'm just, I'm going to let my, my feet sink into the mud of this reality for a moment. All evidence would have pointed to you not making it. But even in the darkness of the flood, you clung to the promise of His Word. Maybe I could just get a testimony in this room of somebody that would say, I'm going to admit it right now. I almost lost everything in the flood, but somehow, by the grace of God, 
You just want some of these young families to know that they can make it. Maybe you just wave your hands right now like branches in the... Come on, like branches in the wind again. I know you thought I'd die. The devil told me I'd die. The enemy told me I wouldn't make it. But the waters have receded. The waters have gone down. And I'm here. I made it. Not because of me. Because of him. Because he gave me a word before the floods came. He gave me a word before the destruction showed up. He gave me a word before the sickness was pronounced over my life. He gave me a word before they walked out on me. He gave me a word before my bank account went dry. He gave me a word before I lost my job. He gave He gave me a word. So in the darkness of the mud, I just kept clinging. In the darkness of the trial, I just kept believing. In the darkness of that over, I just kept, I just kept, I just, I just, I just kept believing. And here I am today. Here I am today. And here's the goal. The goal is now that you've grown, what's on you can populate. Because we need population of people that have made it. We need you to speak faith. I'm almost done. We need you to speak. Come on, that wind that was breathed into man. We see it again long after that tender plant. Long after he rises up as the seed of David. He says, I've got to go. I've been with you, but I'm going to be in you. And he sends the pneuma, the wind, the breath. The breath of God. And that's what we need to blow on our lives this morning. Those of us who have been faithful and you've made it and you've remained. And you came to Sunday school when you didn't want to. And you brought your family when you didn't want to. We need the breath of God. We need it to broadcast around to our friends and our family members and let a little seed get planted. And sometimes it takes a long time. For some of them, it's like that bamboo. It takes a long time, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, whoop, they just sprout up. For some of you, don't, I'm telling you, I got a word for somebody in this moment. Don't give up on them because you haven't seen them grow yet. Don't you give up on them. I'm telling you, it might be tomorrow, it might be next week. Hear me, last year, last year, I got a call, two years ago, I got a call out of nowhere, I'm downtown Chicago, I get a call from a kid I had witnessed to 20 years ago, called me, sent an email, text, thank God for modern society, dude got a hold of me. He said, what you don't know is that when you were inviting me to church and I'd come and sit in that little Bible study, he said, I was going home and cooking drugs with my parents. He said, but because, these were his words. He said, but because of that seed, he said, my whole family lives for God. Because of that seed. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Your 
kids might have something growing in them right now. Your cousin might have something growing in them right now. Your neighbor, I know your co-worker, they look at you like you're silly. You talk about God and they ignore you. But I'm telling you, they might have something. Stand with me. I got to stop. Don't feel like it, but I'm going to. Can you show that, that apple? I, I made them. It's got a little split open apple. I was older than I would like to admit to you when somebody showed me this illustration, which the multitude of you know. Show me that apple. No seeds. They said to me, said you can always count the number of seeds in an apple. But you never really know the number of apples in a seed. <laughs> yeah, you can, you can dissect this and you can show me, oh look, that's all the seeds this apple has. They, they don't have very much. But you, you don't know the production quality. You take that few little seeds and you put them in the right soil. You give them the white, right water and the, the right nitrogen, the right condition. Can I tell you a handful of seeds can turn into an entire orchard? If given time, if given time and proper treatment. Parents, there's no telling what they're going to become. Michael, you got to guard her, but you got you to protect her and shelter. Look at her all bright-eyed and beautiful. You have to guard her because there's going to come a day with some little dude. Some of you know where I'm going. He's going to walk up to her. And he's going to want to be real smooth. And you might have to remind him that's my little girl. But she's not just mine. Because I gave her to God. I've asked God to protect her. I've asked God's will to be done in her life. And because you dedicated her, and because you've dedicated your lives and your children unto the Lord, then you have to understand that sometimes that process looks like flood and sometimes that process looks like wind and sometimes. But you got to guard them because there's no telling. There's no telling. I, I, I know that you might see what's produced in your own life, but there's no telling what some of these babies, if God, if God will grant us the time, there's no telling what's hidden inside. So where do we got to plant them? We got to plant them in the church. 
We got to plant them in the Word of God. We got to plant them in the soil of Scripture. And it's a twofold process because while we plant the Word in them, we plant them in the body. And the body gathers. And the body guards. The body keeps. I want you to throw your hands towards heaven all over this house with me if you will. Everybody ought to go. Everybody ought to go to Sunday school. Because it's where the soil is primed for growth. If you're in this house today and you've been feeling the effects of the flood and you it's how is it possible that the sun is shining on their life but the flood is in mine I'm asking you hold to the word of God I'm not sure who I'm talking to today but for some of you you're in the middle of a flood situation you just are it's not glamorous it's not pretty, it's dark. You're in a flood. But you're kind of saying, Pastor, I do want to hold to that word though. And I do want to grow my way out of this. If that's you, I want you to step. Listen, I want you to just to kind of step out of your pew. And I want you to come and stand near me in the front here. We're going to be done in just a moment. But if that's you, we believe in we believe in public declaration here and coming forward. The church is going to envelop you in prayer right now. For some of you, you're going to understand the strength of the altar in this moment. If your life is in a little bit of a flood situation, it always takes somebody to break the ice. Whoever would break the ice, I want you to do that. But if you need God, you need God to help you grow your way through this. That your family's not destroyed in this process. Come all the way to the very front. Come on, as they begin to come around the room. It's all right. Don't be overwhelmed. Don't be embarrassed. This is a good thing. God's going to help you here. God's going to give you strength. For some of you, it's that you're not seeing growth in your children. For some of you, it's that at, around every corner, there's another negative report. Come all the way to the front. Come all the way to the front. I want the ministry team to come. Come join me right now. God, I, I keep praying, but it's like I'm praying in darkness. The water is all around me. How long can I hold on? I speak, I, I'm speaking that fresh wind. I want this church to lift your hands. I want, you to, I want you to begin to pray the prayer that the waters would begin to move on the water. Come on, the wind would begin to move on the waters of life right now. I'm telling you, I feel deliverance in this room. He wants the waters to be assuaged. Come on, some of you feel like you're swimming. Your arms are tired. Your legs are, t you're overwhelmed in this. Come on. Let the sun break through. Let the sun break through. Let the ground re-swallow the water. I pray right now. Church, I need you to pray with me. Come on, would you really pray with me right now? Let the flood dry up in some of these lives. 
ministry team, I want you to begin to lay your hands and anoint them right now. Come on, we speak faith in the name of the Lord. We speak faith in the name of the Lord Jesus. I speak faith in the name of the Lord Jesus. Let the water draw. Let the water draw back. Let this tender plant grow, God.